This is Think Like a Genius. Tread the line of cognitive psychology, neuroscience, persuasion, and so much more than gray matter. Let's dive in as we fall into a world of intrigue. And now, Think Like a Genius with your host, Lance Vantanar. Welcome to Thinking Like a Genius. My name is Lance Vantanar, your host, and today's topic we're going to be diving into brain fog. Brain fog is something which I've seen quite a lot of people talking about and saying they're having a challenge with it. And there's been obvious times in my life when I've had challenges with brain fog. And some of them are just in general self-inflicted because of drinking too much. Others can be overall just health conditions. And one or two periods of my life, I actually had some concussions which have had a similar kind of impact as brain fog in general. All of these topics I'll look at in more detail and I'll cover a bunch of other interesting facts which I've been able to find out for some research uh, which I've done. The issue with brain fog is that when you feel foggy, you feel unfocused and you also feel demotivated and you have a lack of energy. And you find out that when you've actually resolved it and when you switched on, you can feel a lot more focused and interested and this whole being switched on transitions into other parts of your life. So the difference between not thinking real and realizing what you aren't thinking about is what brain fog basically does. You feel all confused, you feel muddled, and you feel demotivated, and you've got a lack of energy in, in general. The research that I've looked at, which there's some fantastic research which is out there, which uh, goes into all of the various areas when you start digging up into it, it demystifies brain fog and the effects that it can have on people. It goes into a lot of detail in what the various issues are. But what I've done is I've collated it all for you. So it's all in a easy to consume audio version. And one of the things I'm planning on doing is I've created a bit of a, a map, uh, which you can just have a quick high view look at it uh, and I'll create a PDF for it which people can download and look at on their own time. So the areas of research which I've looked into have been neuroscience, there's been a lot of articles in medical journals which I've uh, read up on about and all of this helps give you an edge and an understanding and it helps you feel a lot more connected and switched on once you actually realize what you're dealing with. There's a lot of very vague, pardon the uh, pun, uh, information and concepts around brain fog and what can cause it and how it can have effects in your life. So the following tips can actually help you become a lot more laser focused and help you feel on top of the world and support in your life when you fully implement the various parts of it. So Without further ado, let's look into the various areas which can have a knock-on effect on your health and your performance and just your overall well-being. So despite feeling like some days you switched on and you're really on top of it, you can, other days you can feel really slow and laggy and basically very lethargic. The areas which can cause all of this confusion and all of these issues are the topics which I'll be focusing on next, which lots of them are health-related. Quite a few of them are actually dietary-related. And there are some external environmental factors which also do uh, have an impact on your brain's health and performance and feeling a lot sharper than, uh, than what you can do. 
So the first area which you'll look at is stress. And stress can play a, a very, very big part in your brain's cognitive ability. Part of the issue with stress is that it shuts off your, you could say, analytical thinking capability and you start switching into a fight or flight response, which means you're, you, you become very immediately focused on problem solving, which is not a bad thing, but it can mean that it starts impl- impacting your life over a longer period of time. When you start having continued stress over an extensive period of time or extended period of time, this starts adding up because it starts pushing into other areas of your life because your nutrition suffers because you're just eating to have energy. And it normally means that you start eating fast foods or really poor quality food because you're just looking for short-term energy just to stay going and just to be able to do what you need to do. The other thing that happens is that the stress starts building up and you also have a lack of sleep. So the lack of sleep has a bunch of additional uh, knock-on effects, apart from the fact that you don't get proper rest and you don't go through a proper REM cycle and you don't go through a proper sleep cycle. You get up feeling fatigued, you get up feeling stressed, you've always got this uh, stress in the back of your mind because you're you're continually trying to problem solve and you've not really resolved the underlying stress condition or the issue that you have to deal with, which means this keeps on looping around in your brain because your brain is continually trying to solve the problem. If you don't find a way of actually solving it or externalizing it, it means that the brain is continually trying to focus you on actually fixing the problem. But what happens is that the lack of sleep, the increased stress, the continued loop of this problem causes you to get into a downward spiral because your energy starts suffering your performance starts suffering, you can't really be a lot more capable in what you're doing because your creativity also goes out the window and your problem solving starts grinding down over a period of time and your capability just gets to a point where you either have to take a break through various methods, some simple ones are exercise or breathing or just uh, taking a break in general or if it gets really serious, you end up having either breakdown or you get ill. When you start getting to a point where you get ill, that is the, you could say, the last stage or where the body is just basically saying, okay, you're not listening. I'm going to make you sick so you can take a break. So it's a bit of a defensive mechanism because your immune system also gets uh, impacted by continued stress, poor health, and poor, uh, poor diet. So these are all knock-on, cumulative knock-on effects on your uh, overall performance. The other thing that does happen or that can cause brain fog is hormonal changes. This is something which obviously affects teenagers quite a lot, but is more of an impact on women, something which I had not realized until some recent research into the hormonal changes. But women who have menopause actually have, because of the fluctuating hormones in the body, it does have an impact on brain health and feeling foggy and feeling the negative effects of it because the the balance between all of the hormones is changing so dramatically that it starts impacting how the brain functions. The other thing that can happen is when a woman is pregnant, again, you're sitting with this dramatic change in the hormonal balances within the body. Because the body is changing to be able to cope with the life which is being nurtured, it is a big demand on a woman's body to be able to deal with actually the growth of a, a life within that. And this demand, the body will literally take resources from its own body to be able to keep the baby alive. 
the nutrition and the overall general health needs to be as good as possible to be able to support the body in actually providing nutrients for the baby to grow and stay healthy, which is why there's so much work has been done on pregnancy and pregnant health and baby health or infant health or to be able to support a baby and uh, mothers-to-be as this has a direct impact on the health of the baby long term but it also has ability on the mother to be able to cope with things on a daily basis because it's a big demand on the body. The next thing which has a direct impact on uh, brain fog is nutrition. I'm staying away from the word diet because diet has got a really poor implication or inference. It normally means that you're either restricting foods or you cutting out quite a lot of nutrition out of your diet to be able to achieve a goal. Invariably, a diet tends to be very short-term focused, and it's in theory trying to fix a problem, but it's over the long term, it's very negative uh, effect on your health and just general well-being. When you actually focus on nutrition, it changes your focus and it changes the result long term because you're actually looking at your health overall and you're looking at how nutrition can actually support your body's capability. This process of actually looking at it from a nutritional point of view means that your food choices are a lot more consistently better over a period of time and it means you become a lot more long-term focused in your health, which has got a long-term benefit for you in general. Now, the negative aspects of poor nutrition ends up being very high sugar diet, very processed carbohydrates, trying to do a lot of low-fat diets. Low-fat diets have more or less been debunked and been proven to be very detrimental to health in general because the body does need healthy fats to be able to support various processes, energy levels, hormonal levels, hormonal production and these are very important to just overall health in general. And the, again, the whole aspect of processed food, the more processed the food is, the poorer the nutrition is for use as a whole, and the negative impacts start racking up because you start eating a lot of empty calories. A lot of these empty calories can be high carbohydrates, high sugars, and there's a lack of just fundamental nutrition within the food. Although there's high energy value, there's low nutritional value, which is why things tend to go very badly when you start following a poor nutritional plan. The other thing that happens is that over a period of time, if you have very poor diet, uh, very poor nutrition, you start incrementing the amount of fat in your body. And that is a deeper discussion, which I'll have later on. The increase in in, in basically body fat starts racking up uh, inflammation. Again, something which I'll uh, talk about a little bit later on. Other aspects or other areas which can have a negative impact on brain fog and actually brain function and cognitive function uh, can be medication. I'm not in detail going to dive into all of the medications and what the impact can have, but there are a number of medications which are, because of the way that they work on the body, can have a impact on how you feel and whether you can feel sharp and focus and be able to cope. Although they can short-term fix a problem, they need to be assessed over a period of time to see that they're not negative to your basic healthy brain function. There's a number of cases where medication has been prescribed to people 
and there's some very strict instructions about not operating certain machinery or driving or anything of that nature is because the cognitive ability is negatively impacted. So this needs to be taken into consideration. The other thing that does have an impact on the brain cognitive capability is chemotherapy. Yes, chemotherapy has got its uses, but the fact of the matter is that the impact is so dramatic on the body and this does affect overall cognitive capability and just feeling a lot better and a lot clearer in general. A number of medical conditions also attribute to brain fog and have uh, issues with feeling clear and focused. The obvious ones are MS, Alzheimer's, lupus. You can get chronic brain inflammation from uh, allergies, asthma, autoimmune diseases that can also cause this. If you've got chronic infections, as all of these shut down a lot of the energy, energy production, which affects brain cells and actually can lead to fatigue. You've also got fog and memory loss just overall. Other medical conditions or things that can have an effect is encephalitis, which is a very acute brain inflammation. And this can be because of either viral or bacterial infection. Now, coming back to nutrition, Obesity and diabetes are very big factors that can make uh, have an effect on feeling healthy and switched on and, and cognitively focused. The obesity actually induces production of inflammatory cytokines, and these actually infiltrate and can actually cause infiltration of the immune cells into fat tissue. Now, this is quite interesting. I didn't realize this. And what it does is it causes low-level inflammation within the body. As you struggle with this low-level inflammation, the more poor nutrition you have, the more this inflammation starts racking up over a period of time, which means that you've always got this chronic inflammation that you're dealing with. And when you start having chronic inflammation, this is almost like having a low-level cold at all times, which means you will always feel that you've got low energy, you're feeling sluggish, you're struggling to get going, and just in general, don't feel on top of the world. One thing that's been identified is that metabolic inflammation has been uh, recognized as a unifying mechanism which links obesity to a wide range of health issues. And the health issues they've uh, identified uh, can be neurodegenerative problems, you can have uh, airway disorders, which means it can exacerbate asthma or any kind of breathing conditions or breathing problems, and also can be causes of cancer. Now, obviously, cancer, there's a lot of research on cancer, and also the, the treatments then start kicking off a whole different story when it comes to the medication and how they make you feel overall. Other major causes of metabolic disorders because of that is obviously diabetes. You've got the cardiovascular diseases and then hypertension and also fatty liver disease. So there's a number of very serious conditions which are all linked back to obesity and also back to nutrition as a whole. So they are very, very important factors to take into consideration. The next topic cover a bit are injuries. The injuries I'm referring to quite specifically are concussions or any kind of head trauma. Although you can't guarantee that nobody's going to get a bump in the head or anything of that nature, you need to be aware of what 
kind of concussions or what the conditions are. Some of the examples are going to be obvious concussions from playing sport. You can have low-level concussions from something like, you know, rock concerts, headbanging, that kind of situation. Although headbanging sounds really cool and it's really good for for a rock concert, in effect, what you're doing is like you're slamming your head backwards and forwards, which basically takes your your brain inside an enclosed environment and you're basically smashing it forwards and backwards and that's basically causing a low level of concussion which means you feel groggy the next day the reason why you're feeling groggy and foggy and everything else is basically because you've caused the self-induced low level concussion because of that what happens within the, the the head is that when you have a bump or a concussion or something of that nature it can bounce a brain off of the skull or in certain serious concussions, you can actually twist it in the skull. I didn't realize that it can be that bad. And what this does is it actually stretches or damages brain cells, and it can actually it can cause chemical changes within the brain, which obviously causes damage within the brain. It can have a negative effects because now what's happened is that the body has to repair that, if it can at all. And if it can't, then it's not having cognitive effects because you, you can't guarantee what you've been impacted on to, unless you start doing things like MRI scans or various other medical uh, checks to, to see where, where the issue is. Now, some of the issues or some of the signs that you can get from concussion or head trauma can be anything from loss of consciousness, which can vary between a couple of seconds or a couple of hours or with uh, even more serious uh, extended periods of time. General drowsiness. In very serious cases, you can have obviously loss of consciousness. This can, can happen in uh, contact sports like American football or rugby or any combative uh, sport. Boxing is a very clear example of that or any kind of martial arts or MMA, anything which is going to induce bad accident. Good example are racing drivers or motorcycle riders is where they've got helmets to protect the brain to try and lessen the impact on the brain uh, and to protect the head. What you're doing is you actually helmet acts as a cushion and actually prevents serious jarring or actual trauma to the head. Although it reduces it, I can't guarantee that it's actually going to prevent anything. Other things that you can have, a very serious case, you can have seizures. Uh, invariably, you can have a bit of double vision or even pupil dilation which is unequal in the two eyes so if you've got one eye that dilates but more than the other one that's what they mean by uh, unequal or uh, different dilation if you've got a very serious issue you can actually have cerebrospinal fluid which drains into either the ears or the nose or into the back of the throat there have been reported cases where people have gone to the doctor and said, look, I've, I've got this continual cold, I've always sniffing, or I've always got back of my throat is always dripping in. And that is not actually a cold. It's because of this cerebrospinal fluid that's actually leaking into the back of your throat, which is because of whichever reason it can be an accident or anything of that nature. So it'd be advisable to seek medical condition if you're having a number of these issues uh, or that you, if you've had any kind of accident like this. Other issues can be headaches, obvious dizziness, just in general strange behavior because your brain isn't functioning normal, your decision-making capabilities are very severely impacted. Some people can appear like they're drunk even though they've not had anything to, to drink. 
if you go down the roads of hypothermia, you can see somebody when they're actually in, a, in the medium stage of the hypothermia can actually appear drunk. It's because of the core body temperature dropped to such a degree that the cognitive function capability is also impacted. So they can be similar type of symptoms as well. Other things that can happen are mood changes. People can become very agitated and they can also feel anxious and depressed because of this, the head trauma. As always, sleep pattern can be uh, changed as well. And as discussed before, because your sleep pattern does change, you start feeling, you can start increasing stress and this whole increase in stress can have other issues over a long period of time that can start causing low level inflammation, which start adding up into uh, more serious issues. Cognitive impairment uh, in general can be confusion, poor visualization and actually pattern recognition and also creative and analytical uh, thought processes. So these are the obvious knock-on effects from uh, from having any kind of head issue or head trauma. These things can also be attributed to brain fog as well. The the whole cognitive impairment aspect is because you're not thinking clearly, you feel very foggy, which means all of the normal fast thinking, cognitive, creative capability, which you should be able to do, is basically impacted because the brain is not functioning correctly. With regards to the medical conditions, you can have some additional symptoms, which is chronic fatigue syndrome. Obviously, you know, lack of sleep has got a knock-on effect, which, which I've already spoken about. Depression, some of these can link to chronic brain inflammation. There's the research articles about, about this and where work is being done to see how much of a link of depression and chronic brain inflammation is, what the, uh, the links are and how they, how they impact people. An area which not a lot of people talk about in a lot of blog posts or, or articles are environmental toxins. These can have a major effect on people in general. Now, if you think about environmental toxins, it can be anything from either toxic fumes, paint fumes, any kind of industrial fumes or anything of that nature. They can have an immediate impact on you. Obvious example from movies and popular media is chloroform, chloroform, you know, can make you feel groggy afterwards. It's just a, a random one which I've come up with. Pesticides can have this impact as well because a lot of the chemicals are very, very powerful and they can have uh, just overall health, uh, detrimental health issues. House mold or fungal infections just in your local environment is something which can have an impact on your health and, your, and create brain fog. It's more of a con an issue in damp conditions or if, if you've got dry rot in your walls uh, or anything of that nature because this again builds up a low level infection in the body and there's research which provide links to where you can reference the, to the fact that they found that these mycotoxins and various other low level toxins do have an impact on general health so if you do have an issue with overall if you feel it's linked to a specific place, whether it's work or whether it's home, it'd be well worth looking into that to see if, if you maybe need to do something about that. Getting back to nutrition. This is a bit of a favorite topic for me because I used to have a certain amount of health issues when I was younger. Part of the issue was I had asthma as a kid, which obviously meant that I was allergic to cats. The other thing is that when I was 18, I started having an issue with eczema. For me to resolve that, I ended up 
changing my diet quite dramatically to cut out wheat and quite a lot of foods and restrict it down to a very focused nutrition plan to be able to help solve that issue overall. One of the things that I realized very quickly is that processed food is very detrimental overall to your health. You just don't get any worthwhile nutrition out of it. If you're really inclined to have some fast food, keep it very limited as a because they either cheat meal or a reward nowadays i don't see that as a reward or anything worthwhile so i I stay away from junk food in general uh, just because i don't like it anymore i just don't feel that it gives me any kind of satisfaction obviously the healthier food choices are the better the quality of the food is the better the impact is going to be on your overall health now the obvious factor is going to be as good quality meat as what you can get fresh vegetables a lot of leafy vegetables Crucifix vegetables, fruits in general, blackberries, berries, and a lot of the flavonoids and antioxidants which come in a lot of the berries are very beneficial to overall health. Then if you go into a lesser known area is that spices. Spices and herbs have got a lot of beneficial compounds within them overall. It's not just there for flavoring food. A lot of the spices have actually got medicinal properties, which is why a lot of these foods are actually included in in the food preparation. In a lot of the hotter countries like India, Far East, and everything else, all of these foods are included in the food for two purposes. Number one, to support the overall health in the food that you have. Number two, to actually prevent bacterial infection or anything or food going bad. So if you're cooking it with all these spices, it actually is a preservative, but it also has a number of other benefits like anti-inflammatory capabilities. It's got a lot of flavonoids, a lot of other compounds, which are very beneficial to overall health. Turmeric is one of the herbs uh, or spices that has got the biggest overall benefit on anti-inflammation, anti-cancer treatment, and various other support for just general health and well-being. Cinnamon is also a very good one. I've found that the Sri Lankan cinnamon is a lot sweeter and it's got less less of a bitter taste to it. It's a lot better in any of the cooking or the baking that I tend to do. Other beneficial spices are aniseed, cumin, ginger, and cardamom. These spices not only have the components within them, they've also got various minerals in them which are beneficial to the brain and overall general good health. Obviously, good quality meat and fish, good quality oily fish, which has got omega-3. And these are very well publicized like salmon, mackerel and sardines. The favorite that uh, people have is obviously dark chocolate. Taking dark chocolate into consideration, yes, there's a lot of good benefits in dark chocolate. It's when you start chucking in a bunch of sugar, it, it kind of reduces the amount of good benefits. So if I've gone a bit more the extreme side and I either have raw cocoa powder or the other thing which I'm quite fond of are coconuts. Now, coconuts have got all of the good qualities are unprocessed. And the fact is that you've got a lot of minerals and all of the good quality flavonoids and components in the cocoa that you need, which is good for just overall overall good health. If you don't like eating or uh, chewing them, then you can always soak them and then uh, grind them up or have them as a as a muesli, which softens them. You get a nutty flavor. You don't get as strong a cocoa flavor to it, but you do get like a very nice nutty flavor to it. Sometimes what I do is I grind it up with my coffee and I actually add it to my coffee, which gives the coffee a bit of a mocha flavor, which is really nice. Eggs 
obviously very well known for its uh, amino acids and the uh, the benefits for the for the brain so that's a really good nutritional source for for just general good health and the fact that they are so easily available you can get good quality eggs and everywhere when it comes to the last area which i'll talk about are oils good quality oils like coconut oil or organic olive oil have been found to be very beneficial for brain health and just overall cognitive benefits in general the next topic i'm going to talk about is the dehydration and or or hydration hydration or water's water consumption or enough water consumption has got a lot of general health benefits but it also allows the brain to be able to cope better because the body's blood volume is and just general function is determined by the amount of water that uh, or fluid that it's got in the system when you make sure that you're drinking enough water it has got a number of benefits as allowing your blood volume to be at the correct level it also helps lubricating joints but also allows the brain to be able to function better because it needs the right fluid levels within the body to be able to process everything and for the exchanges to happen through the blood brain value it needs that volume to be able to function in its normal capacity the area which i've not heard a lot of people discuss or look at is fasting i've found that fasting has been very beneficial in actually giving me or making me feel a lot clearer and healthier when i do implement it on a regular basis when i start feeling a bit slow or lethargic i'll normally go through a process of doing 24-hour fast with a single meal for a number of days i normally find that it turns around my just general alertness very very quickly and also find that my energy levels start boosting up there's a lot of just general beneficial health when it comes to fasting there's also a very good benefit in, in actually changing how your body actually processes energy fasting is used quite a lot in keto diets where you start tying it into changing how your body starts relying on the energy within the body and change swapping over from glucose to actually uh, using fats uh, as, a, as an energy source one of the things that's been researched or where a lot of people are looking into is the fact that the intermittent fasting or extensive fasting can actually change your cholesterol levels Although it does have an increase in your, just your general cholesterol levels, the other thing it takes into consideration is that your body is actually producing more cholesterol, but it's actually using up their cholesterol by processing it and cycling it through to be able to allow you to carry on working as normal. I found that when I've done preparation for some events where I go through periods where I'm fasting or doing intermittent fasting, I normally found that my cholesterol levels have increased. But in general, it's because my diet has been really very tight and very focused. But it, overall, my my energy levels have been more than sufficient to cope with uh, just the, the, the demand of training and also carry on uh, with normal day-to-day activity. The next topic, which obviously people do cover in general, which has been shown to have a lot of benefit and feeling a lot more alert and focused, is exercise. I won't go in detail about all of the various methods of exercise, which is better, which is worse, but just in general, any exercise that you can do to actually help increase the blood flow in the body will be beneficial to you feeling sharper and more focused in your day-to-day activity. There are a number of factors which have a positive impact because of exercise. First of all, the most common factor is that it increases blood flow in the body. 
when you start increasing the blood flow in the body, it will pump through your body and then actually obviously pump through more blood through the brain, which is going to help a lot of the processing and clear out any kind of toxins or negative impacts. And the other thing is that the exercise has can actually work as a stress reducer and actually change your focus a bit because you're actually focusing on the exercise more than actually problem solving. The benefit is that the brain will switch any kind of problem solving to the unconscious while you're actually doing the exercise and it'll ruminate on the background to actually carry on processing and, and, and doing what it should be doing for the problem solving while you're doing the exercise. Invariably what can happen is that you actually become conversely more creative and you actually come up with a solution once you've exercised because the brain is being left to do what it's supposed to do by focusing on doing the you could say the number crunching in the background while you're doing something simple either like walking or some something more strenuous it's best to to be able to have a mix of really intensive high intensity exercise if you do do it or if you depending on your preference whether it's weight or cardiovascular training or anything hard it comes down to your personal preference. But for those who are not big fans of exercise, anything as simple as going for a walk or just going for a stroll can be enough to give you that capability of being able to increase the blood flow, feel a lot better, feel a lot more positive, and actually feel like you're getting a benefit out of it. You don't have to do a hard and fast training if that's not your thing. Simple exercise can be just as beneficial as really hard and intensive training sessions. The next thing that has a positive impact on the brain is obviously breathing. Now, breathing and exercise have got a very, obviously, it's got a very tight link because if you go out exercising, you start increasing the amount of oxygenation, your breathing changes, and where possible, make sure that you're doing diaphragmatic breathing or breathing into your abdomen. This has a number of benefits. It actually reduces the amount of stress that helps relax the body and stimulates the vagus nerve. And it also just increases blood flow in the body because the, the increased blood flow of the exercise helps increase the amount of oxygen, you could say, uh, intake and also exchange, a CO2 exchange, which actually has an obvious uh, positive benefit. The other interesting thing is that if you really want to get a double benefit is that if you're doing some simple exercise like walking, you can do some block breathing uh, training where you focus on breathing in for four seconds, having a pause for four seconds, exhaling four seconds, and then having a pause for four seconds. Although it does feel quite challenging to do it, when you're doing just a gentle walk and you're just focusing on the blood, uh, on the box breathing, it's got a number of benefits, which is makes you super aware and super present in what you're doing because you're focusing on the breathing while you're walking. The other benefit is that it actually slows down your heart rate and it actually helps your brain focus on the sensory awareness and the sensory awareness is very stimulating to the body and the brain as a, as a whole. This really focused box breathing when you breathe into your abdomen because you're controlling your breathing it helps the whole process. It's a, it's a way of improving your focus and your discipline in general. When you do do the really deep box breathing, you get the additional benefit of really relaxed, focused breathing, and it helps calm the, the body down, reduces stress levels in general. The next step with the, with the breathing exercises is something which can be done through meditation. Again, meditation, a lot of research, current research is supporting the benefit of meditation and how it actually has positive changes to the brain. 
It also reduces stress, helps the body deal with evening out emotional levels. I tend to feel a lot more focused and clearer when I do get a chance of doing some meditation. The additional benefit is where you can start doing box breathing in combination with meditation and it helps improve your oxygenation, becomes more focused and just makes you feel a lot more refreshed and, and sharper when you, uh, when you do walk away from it. The benefit of the meditation on the box breathing helps with stimulating the vagus nerve. I've referenced this in the first episode because it links the brain and all of the organs and also obviously ties into the, the myelinated part of the vagus nerve, which connects up to the base on the auditory channels. The vagus nerve also is this link between the gut and the brain, and this has got a direct benefit because when you start improving your, your health in general through nutrition and exercise, signaling between the brain and, uh, and the gut improves and just overall general health is, is, very, is a lot more positive. The box breathing method and exhaling through the mouth actually helps stimulate the vagus nerve and there's stimulating the vagus nerve has got a, a, a beneficial effect on the immune system. By stimulating the vagus nerve, it's got an impact on the immune system, which actually reduces inflammation. Again, when you start tying it into the nutrition, that has got a double benefit of making sure that you get the, the right nutrition in and doing all of these things will have an overall long-term impact on improving brain health and just general uh, health in overall. So there's a lot of things which are very interlinked. There's never one single thing which is going to make you feel fantastic. Although if you are in a very serious uh, situation, there could be one thing which does have a very big impact. But as you start stacking up each one, they start having a cumulative effect overall and you start getting a long-term benefit and you will feel a lot better overall as well. You can start going down the road of using supplements to start really boosting things. Obviously, vitamin D, you've got things like lion's mane. Uh, there's a number of other um, you could say supplements that you can get out, get which can have a beneficial impact on brain, making you feel a lot more uh, sharper. The only thing that I found is that the body will start down-regulating it once it starts getting to a certain a certain level. If you've got a serious health issue or underlying issue, it can support the body in becoming a lot more clearer and, and cognitively functional. But it'll be better to long-term try and find out what the underlying issue is so you can fix that long-term instead of relying on supplement. I just do find that supplements, the, the body starts down-regulating after initial beneficial period of time. So overall, these are things which can help you feel a lot, a lot more in control and actually solving brain fog issues in general. When you start feeling amazing and you feel switched on and you feel like you can do anything, as a person, you feel a lot more energized, you feel supported, you feel a lot more creative and also you feel healthier and a lot more positive. All of these things will help get you to that point in life. So find out which one actually has got a negative impact in your life. Take a look at, at things in general and find out which ones you can make small improvements on that you can start stacking up over time. Don't try and make major changes. Try and make incremental changes over a period of time and become used to incorporating them on a day-to-day -day basis. Thank you very much for listening. Support the show by sharing the love and by leaving reviews on the various channels that you're using. 
This is Lance of Thinking Like a Genius, changing one thought at a time. When you support and review a podcast like this from someone like Lance, it gains more visibility and motivates him to produce more. What topics most interest you? The best topic gains a shout out on the podcast.